just stand together. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's such a privilege. Lord, here we stand as the redeemed. Lord, the chosen of God, the little elect lady. Lord, all these little titles that you've given Zion. Oh, God, how great you are tonight, Father. Lord, when we think of this great price that's been paid, Lord, such love, who would lay down their lives for one like me, Father? Lord, who would give, who would pay such a price? Lord God, tonight we love you, Father. Lord, we come to you this evening looking for you once again, Lord, to open up the well of life. Lord, as we dig out the ditches tonight, I pray, oh God, that you would pour out a gusher that we can't contain. Father, we're here this evening, Lord, hungering and thirsting, knowing, Lord Jesus, that there is more God to be had. And Father, we come, Lord, maybe, maybe tired, maybe weary, but Lord, in our weakness, be strong tonight, Father. Lord, speak to your children. Lord, direct me down the paths that I need to go, Father. Lord, we have your word, but Lord, may the Spirit move us. Lord, open up those little places of our lives, Father, that, that maybe aren't pleasing to you, Lord. Lord, I pray you would just so give us grace tonight, Father, both the speaker and the hearer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. If you got your Bibles with you this, this evening, uh, sorry to the, uh, the technicians. I didn't get them there. All the things that they would like to, uh, to have had. If you got your Bibles and you would turn over to Genesis chapter 4. If we could just start uh, reading Genesis chapter 4. You know, I was, uh, well, yeah, I can. Thank you, whoever just did that. I was going to say I was going to try and read, but I don't have my glasses with me. So, um, but thank you, brother. God bless you. I love technology. <clears throat> Again, just bring you greetings from the saints in Saskatoon and, and brother Menno and uh, all the rest of them. We love you guys. Of course, you know that, and uh, at least if you don't, I hope you someday do find out. Come let us at least uh, show you as much as we can, and, and uh, just always an honor to be here. I just think, you know, you know it's what a year, here's uh, hardly a year ago, and you know, here's this veteran that stood so gallantly for all these years. Uh, without all the labor, without all the effort, with all the little toils and the years of tears and struggles and trying to find the mind of the Lord and look what it's produced. Look what it's produced. I'll tell you what, don't you ever think that your life isn't valuable. If you just surrender your life, if you'll surrender your thinking, if you'll surrender your desires and let go and let God, he didn't promise us that it would be all roses. He didn't promise us it would all be smooth sailing, but listen, he promised that there would be a perfect outcome. That's what we're fighting for tonight. We want to see the will of God fulfilled in its entirety. I want to, I want to stroll over heaven with you some glad day. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, and starting at verse 1, it says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
And, she, and, the pro, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and unto his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto, and the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Let me just read that again. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And if I could take a title for my text tonight, I want to take that title. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? God bless you. You can have your saints, your seats. <clears throat> Little thought I ministered on some time ago at home and... Uh, I don't know why, but I have to be honest, when Brother Ed uh, called me and asked if I'd take the service for you tonight, uh, you know, I was in prayer asking the Lord, Lord, which, what, what would you have me to speak? I, you know, the book is full, but a word in due season makes all the difference. And, and, uh, and the Lord brought me back to this little thought, and, and I, I thought, well, Lord, there's, there's other things that are just, I would feel like more, uh, would I just say more exciting to preach, maybe it would be that way, but... I couldn't, I couldn't seem to get away from it, and actually, Brother Allen, wherever you are, we were having coffee the other day after the wedding, and, and you said something to me, and it just, it just put another little confirmation, Lord, that that's what he wanted me to say. I didn't tell you that then. I kept it to myself, and then, and then Brother Ray, that last song you sang, it was right in the channel. I just took it as, Lord, this rest of the service is yours. You just do with it as you want. And I, I want to I say it this way, that, that whatever, I, I have my text, but I'm, I'm here as his servant tonight. In whichever direction he wants me to go, that's the direction I'm going to go. And so we'll leave the preaching up to him. But as we get started, Brother Branham says this. He says this, and on that day at Calvary, he said, you know, he says, the first thing I want to say, and as I just set the background for my thought tonight, he said, the first thing I want to say is Jesus never lived for himself. You know, isn't that just uh, uh, such a stark contrast to us that are living in Laodicea? You know, where we are full of self, where self-love prevails, where, where man's ego is so overinflated and, and where, where, where the desire of man is so all about him. 
It's just all about him. It's, it's, everything we look at, it just seems to be, it's about us. Do I like it? Am I going to enjoy it? Am I going to appreciate it? It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's, Lady Osea has put us in such a, I don't want to just say us. I'm just using this as a blanket coverage as the world in general because I believe that God's children have risen up above this. But here's the reality that that spirit of Lady Osea still has an effect on you, and it still has an effect on me. And so, so we, we, you know, we, we, we come into situations, and, and we find ourselves many times complaining and, and frustrated and, and upset because it doesn't suit me. We're not so concerned about the next person. Matters of fact, if we were just completely honest, there's a whole lot of people that never give thought to the next person. Matters of fact, I'll say it this way, there's many times you'll go to speak something and you'll say something and the person may be sitting, I've seen this happen over and over, you know, somebody will speak something about someone and the person is sitting three, you know, three people down like he, like he doesn't hear or like she can't hear what's being said yeah. with no, I, I want to say no discernment that you might have just crushed that little soul, that you might have just hurt that little being. And sometimes we, but it's just so much about us. We don't care what anybody else thinks. If I, I, I don't care. Listen, Brother Brown said this, that Jesus sank, said he said, Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. He could have had, he could have been, he could have, he could have done, but for their sake. Now listen, if he is our example, come on church, if he is our example, then how about you and I when, we, when it comes time for us to be willing to lay, oh, you know, maybe you can have it, but is it the right thing to have? Is it going to be a stumbling block? Well, I don't care. That's their problem. No, that's not. It's your problem. Because you're going to give an answer on the, on the day of judgment for that person stumbling. You say, that's nonsense, Brother Dwayne. Oh, is it? Is it really? Come on, we will be held responsible we will be held responsible for how we walk this walk of life. I'm not saying that you can't have and that you can't go and that you can't. I'm not saying that. But you might want to consult Father first before you make your final decision. Because we don't know who's watching. We don't know if you are the light of the world and, and, and you are the salt of the earth. Then let's be light. Then let's be salty. Hallelujah. I was telling the church this morning over at Brother Jerry's, I said, sometimes, you know, God gets us in a place and, and, and we, you know, he wants to do something with our lives. And so he takes us into places to get our attention. He'll take us down a road that we don't want to go down till, till kind of we hit bottom, right? That's God's way. Because his ways aren't our ways and his thinking isn't our thinking. So he'll take us down a road to, to make us hit bottom just so that it, you know, he might cause you to, he might cause you to lose that. You might have worked for 30 years of your life and in one month's time he might cause you to lose it all. Why? He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He's not, he's not upset. You're crushed. Your ego is flattened. There's, you don't know whether you're coming or going, but God has a way of maybe moving you. Remember the story of Naomi and Ruth? He had a way of moving them all the way over to another country, not for Naomi's sake, and not for, and not for her children's sake, but for Ruth's sake. Okay? 
So God's ways are different than our ways. His, his thinking is different than our thinking. And we want to keep that in mind. God might cause you to lose it all, to take, and move your, to, to take you and move you somewhere else and start over so you could be a blessing there. God does those kind of things. He does those kind of things. We want to put them in a box and say, no, God, you got to do it this way. But maybe you could be a blessing over there, and he knows it. Maybe there's one person on the other, you know, in, the, in an, I don't want to say another province. Let's say it's the United States, so we just get, nobody gets thinking about moving to different provinces. That's not why Brother Dwayne's here. But let's just say the United States. You know, there might be one person down in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona, that no man, no preacher can get to, that, 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 that no, that, that no uh, uh, deacon can get to, that no sister can seem to get to. So God will take you and your character, the way he molded you and shaped you, and he'll take all your quirky little ways and cause you to go flat broke here, move you down 2,000 miles, set you in a place you've never been before, and in, in the course of time, cause this man and this man a junction to happen. Why? Because there's one soul and only you can reach him. Only you can reach him. Lord, help us to be, to, 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 to be, to be uh, sensitive to the moving of the Spirit of God. Now, Brother Brown says this, Jesus never lived for himself. His life was spent for others. And we can't pick up the telephone and just say, hey, I was thinking about you. We can't pick up, you know, we can't send a little text message and say, you know what, why don't you come on over for supper tonight? Well, Brother Dwayne, you haven't seen my house. It's just a little bitty. Who cares what you live in? I'll tell you what, if you've seen the house that we used to live in, my poor wife was probably embarrassed beyond measure. Poor little thing. I mean, it was unfinished, and it was old, and it was tattered, and the, you know, you do as you can, and, the, and the, 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 what's the saran wrap stuff, right? What's that stuff you wrap around the house? Not saran wrap. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my. I'm sure showing how ignorant I am. But you know what I'm talking about. You know, the wind would rip it off, and we hadn't got the siding on it. You know what Brother Dwayne would say? Oh, come on over for supper. My poor little wife, she would look at this thing and say, really, honey? But if we stop because what we feel is deemed worthy, shame on you. Shame on me. I'll tell you what, I had people walk into, sinner people walk into our house, and as, and as maybe tattered as it was, the one thing they would go away saying is, the atmosphere in this house, it is just, it is just so peaceful here. That's not because of me. That's because of him. He don't care if your house is finished. He don't care if the rugs are dirty. He don't care if the walls are dirty. He wants you. He wants God wants to live again, church. God wants to live in your life. He wants to live in my life. He wants, he's reaching out. If your hands are his hands, then who are they reaching to this evening? When's the last time they've reached out? When's the last time you, you, you had somebody for dinner or you, you just showed the love of God? We don't do those things. We're too busy. My question, am I my brother's keeper? Oh, this is going to be, I'll tell you what. I, yeah, you guys got to hear Brother Paul, and, and I love him with all my heart, and you got to hear the ministry this morning. I'm sure it was wonderful. I'm not a teacher, and you know it. But I want to bring just little highlights down to our life where we live. Am I? My brother's keeper. Why don't you say that with me tonight? That, that way it just takes all the pressure just off of me. Now you've got to ask yourself the question, am I my brother's keeper? 
Let's read on. Brother Brown says this. He says, that's perfectly eternal life. When you say you go to church and you do good things, that's fine. But when you live your life to yourself, you haven't eternal life. Oh, Brother Dwayne, I'm happy to see everybody Sunday, and I'm happy to see them Wednesday at church. When you live your life to yourself, it's not eternal life. We're so prone to have to have everything so perfect and precise because what would they think? Who cares? They probably think a whole lot more of you if you just pick up the phone and invite them. Well, Brother Dwayne, I don't have any money. I'm going to say this. God forgive me. I'm not making fun of anything. I'm not trying to make light of anything. But I've heard this comment. Brother Dwayne, you don't know how, how poor I am. You're, listen, you're not so poor you can't make soup. That's right. You're not so poor. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're not so poor you can't make soup. You're not so poor that you can't put bread and, and, and butter on the table. And I'll tell you what, your fellowship will mean much more than the bowl of soup or the piece of bread. That's just the means to get them there just so that you can enjoy their fellowship. Lord, help us. We're a body. There's some sitting, I, I dare say there's some in this congregation tonight that haven't been in each other's houses for 10 years plus. Woo! Shame on us. Shame on you, Brother Dwayne, because I'm guilty of it too. What's wrong with us? How we want to spend eternity together. And brother, I love you. Yeah, listen, love is more than just a pretty little flowery word. Love is an action word. Because he loved me first, he went to the cross. Because he loved me, he gave of himself. Brother Brown says eternal life is living for others. He says, you haven't eternal life. Eternal life is living for others. It proved it. When, the, when it come to the Lamb of God, he lived and had eternal life because he did not live for himself. He lived for others. And you receive eternal life by receiving that day, and you don't live for yourself no more. You live for others. I want to take a scripture now, and I want to go back to the book of John for a minute. I want to, I want to pick up this little scripture regarding Lazarus, and I, I want us just to, to consider where we're at tonight. Uh, you know, at home I can preach doctrine and stuff. Here, I just want to encourage us. I just want to consider us where we're at tonight. Where, is your, where are you at in your walk with the Lord tonight? And, and so if we jump down to uh, St. John chapter 11, if you would, brother. St. John chapter 11, and you got your Bibles with you. Just open them up and put them on your lap. We know the story of Lazarus. We understand, uh, you know, a man got sick, and we know that he was a friend of Jesus. I wanted to say he was one of the brothers in the church. He was one of the brothers in the church, you know. Jesus was their pastor is what, is what we were told. And, 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 we, and, and we understand that, you know, when he got sick, they sent word forth to Jesus because they knew if Jesus was there that he would, that, that he would heal him. Because where he is, when he's in the house, there's life. Amen. Death has to flee. So, so the scripture says this in verse 32. It says, and when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him. Now Jesus has come. He's, he's come back nigh. She said, and she said, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. 
Then said the Jews, Behold now, behold how he loved him. And some of them, and some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Hold on, I just want to I just want to bring something to light tonight. Jesus has come four days late. But it doesn't matter because Jesus has come. Jesus has the ability to speak the word of God and bring a dead man back to life. Do you not think he has the ability to speak the word of God and bring the dead man out of the tomb? Do you think he does not have the ability to speak the word of the God and the, and the stone would roll away? He's all-powerful. He's almighty God. What's going to stand before him? But watch as he turns to the church. Come on, brothers. Sisters, here you are. You got a loved one somewhere. Who knows if he ain't four days dead already? I'm not talking naturally. I'm talking spiritually. Maybe he has gone so far till, till, the, till the, 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 the proverbial skin worms have destroyed him. He's got no hunger for the Lord. He's got no desire. He is so mucked and mired in sin until, until his spiritual body is fallen apart and rotted. And yet when Jesus comes on the scene, when Jesus comes and we say he's here, what are you going to do about it? Because behind some kind of stone in that person's life is a being that's worthy of eternal life. And Jesus has come to set him free and he's counting on you. He's counting on me. He's asking you, go take the stone away. Go move the, go move the obstacle out of his life. Oh, Brother Dwayne, I haven't talked to that person for 30 years. I haven't, I haven't seen that person. I'll tell you what, just be honest, Brother Dwayne. I just get creeped out when that person comes around. I actually get spiritually frustrated. You know he walked away from the Lord? You know he turned his back on this message? Shame on you. Shame on you. He turned his back on this message? How about Satan got a hold of him somewhere in a weakness and dragged him down into the pit of hell and put some sort of a, a stone of oppression or depression or some sort of an anxiety or frustration, something that happened in their lives, and he's locked into that. He's locked behind that stone waiting for somebody. Come on, anti message. Waiting for somebody to move the stone. But we won't get out of our comfy little church pews to go move the stone. We got things to do. I hope you're hearing me tonight. God's still got feet and God's still got hands. And let me tell you something. That same Jesus that walked for four days to get back to a dead man is here tonight. And maybe he's asking you, roll the stone away. Oh, but Brother Dwayne, you don't understand. That, 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 that man stinks. He's, he's been dead for four days. He's already stinking. Exactly right. What's the matter with you? Are you scared to get your, 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 your beautiful little white robes dirty? Because I'll tell you something. My Jesus got his robes filthy for my sake. My Jesus got his robes filthy for my sake. What are you going to do with yours? He allowed me to wear his robes of righteousness. Now what are you going to do with yours? Hallelujah. 
I hope this isn't too, too hard, but it's on my heart. I might as well just preach it till it's gone. Listen, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister, uh, sister of him that was, that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou should see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Now remember, he is the word made flesh. Okay, that was 2,000 years ago. And if that word was to be made flesh then, is that word still not made flesh tonight? Then the life that was in the man has got to be the same life that is in the body. The same life that's in the body. It says, and he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried. Catch this, church. It's the voice of resurrection. It's the voice of resurrection. Now let me ask you, what voice? If the man Jesus is dead, then that means the voice is shut up. It's quietened. But what voice called you from your sin? What voice called you from the deadness that you were born in? What voice captivated your attention and called you to life? It was the same voice of the word. It was the voice of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Well, then what about, you? what about that same voice? You didn't hear it from Jesus himself. You heard it from somebody that brought the word of life to you. Maybe handed you a message book. Maybe handed you a tape. Maybe brought you into church and heard old brother Harold begin to pour out the word of God. And something within them quickened. Became made alive. They heard the voice of the resurrection, church. Now, if God's voice of resurrection has continued down through time, then where is it at tonight? The Spirit and the bride say, come. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yet we can't pick up the phone. Yet we don't want to, we somehow don't want to reach out. Do we get so spiritually proud that we get calloused? Have we gotten calloused? We love our, our, our pretty little church and everybody looks just perfect. And, and oh my, we, we, we certainly wouldn't want somebody coming in that doesn't look perfect. Well, let me warn you about something. Because if it hasn't happened, it's going to happen. Not just, it's not just happening in Saskatoon. It's going to happen right here in Edmonton. And they're going to walk in and all tatted up, tattooed it up. They're going to be pierced up. They're going to have red and green hair. And you're going to sit down in your precious little pew. And you're going to say, oh my, what is she doing here? Like the little lady at the alabaster box. When she went to buy her little alabaster box, and she, she walked into the store that day, her whole, her whole life was tied up in her, the little bit, the bundle of money she had. And she said, I want the best that you got. I want the best that you got. And the man looking across the counter sneered at her and said, we don't serve your kind in here. Hit the trail. Sometimes we get that way. That's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to create a perfect looking acting, uh, you know, every, every detail, forgive me sisters, every, every detail of our hair has to be just right and, and, and our clothes have to look just right and, and boy, we wouldn't go to church unless we washed our truck before we went. And uh, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
that, is this is what the message has come to? Is this what the message has come to? When our Jesus walked in bare feet, walked through the dung and the, and, and, and the, and the cow manure and, and the sheep manure and the donkey manure, he walked in his bare feet and, the, and he would, tra- he would tra- go from one city to another. He would go where the need was. He never counted the cost. I'll tell you what, if we don't feel good, well, we just stay home because I, I don't really feel good, so we might as well just stay home instead of going to church today. And Oh, my. I'll tell you what, soft. Brother Dwayne, are you listening right now? I'm preaching to myself. I'm as guilty as everybody is, and God forgive me for it. If we're the light of the world, church, then did we put our light under a little bushel? Have we, have we hit? Oh, no, Brother Dwayne, we wouldn't do that. Oh, really? But you won't go and get close enough to somebody to share your light. You want them to see it from far off. In case it might put you out. You might have to do something like reach into your pocket and help that person out. And oh, Lord, for God, I, I just couldn't give him my money. And the little woman came and dropped both of her pence. Everything she had into the father's collection. What about you and I? Oh my, am I going to get home tonight? Listen to this. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was, that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus, being the good master that he is, and being that Lazarus was his friend, he said, came and put his arms around him, Lazarus, my precious brother, and he said, let me take your grave clothes off of you. Uh, and Jesus said unto them, am I my brother's keeper? And Jesus said unto them, a man who was not just gone, the very spirit of him was somewhere yonder in eternity already. Great. I'm talking about somebody who's scarred and beaten down and has been taken down the garden path by Satan. It they could be one of your children. Could be one of your children. Let me just say this. It could be one of your children. And we get such a spiritual ego about us that, that well, they know better and, 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 and I've told them better. And, and, you know, we get a, I'll just say it honestly. I use my own life for a, for a, for a testimony of this. I've told you this before. When my children went wayward, it hurt me so bad because you had raised them right. You had raised them in the admonition and fear of the Lord. You had taught them. You had led them. You had done everything to nurture them. And then they turn their back and walk away. And for a preacher, that's a slap in the face. That's a slap in the face. We don't want what you got. The question is, why don't they want what we got? Why don't they want what we got? Because everybody that was around Jesus wanted what Jesus had. But we get so legalistic and we get so, so dogmatic and we get this is how it's going to be and you're not going to do this and you're not, if you're going to do this then you're out. And I'm speaking from experience, church. 
And we have, we have our, our own actions and our own legalism has, has wounded and cut and destroyed. We got generations of people that have just disappeared. They're so hurt and wounded. And you're like, oh, Brother Dwayne, no, if they're of God, they'll come back. Yeah, well, who's going to go get them? Who's going to go get them? And if the Holy Spirit should lead them into your congregation, who's going to take the grave clothes off of them? Who's going to love them back to the love of God? Who's going to be the one that's going to be there for them? Come on, church. God help us. God help us. This is not a message where we just get to come and sit down on the pew every Sunday morning, do our little duty, and go home and enjoy the rest of the week. We might as well be Baptist or Pentecostal, Catholic, or any other of those denominations. This message is life. And there is no life outside of it. Then if there's no life outside of it, who's going to get our brothers? Who's going to go get them? Who's going to go get your children? Let me just say this. When's the last time, Daddy, Mommy, that you called your backslidden children? When's the last time that you reached out? When's the last? How, how do they know even the love of God if you can't even show your love to them? And you claim to have the love of God. Whew, I don't know what's going on right now, but I do know this. That we are guilty of these very things. We're guilty of these very things. Jesus said, he said, Lazarus, come forth. How do you know the Spirit of God has not already called them? And they are on their way home right now. They're on their way home like the prodigals. But when they get here, they ain't going to look like what you want them to look like. They're not going to be, they're not going to look like our nice little children that have all come up and, and look just perfect. They're going to come sin-scarred, sin-stained. They're going to come with all the marks of Satan all over them. And what are you going to do about them when they get here? What are you going to do about them when you get here? Are you going to take the big brother's position of, of the prodigals? Are you going to take big brother's position and be able to, to look down on him and be angry? Because look what you're doing for him and you didn't do that for me. Your spiritual ego going to get all out of hand? Look at these people that are coming in and they're, look at the spirits they're bringing. Oh, come on, church. Look at Brother Branham's own, look at his own crowds that would come to his meetings. He would look and he would take one man's, uh, you know, one man's ministry and, and there they would they empty out the, the, the halls or whatever after the meeting and they'd look, all, every one of them, well-dressed, every one suit and tie, prim and proper. I dare say we could get up tonight and walk out with the same look. Message churches, it's got to be just right or it's not good enough. You be careful what your idea of just right is. I'm all about doing the best you can do, but you better let the Holy Spirit have his way. Hallelujah. Here we come, and are we going to have a congregation like the prophet was associated with? He said, and then here comes mine. Wheelchairs, crutchers, beds, insane. Uh-huh. Insane. Let me just say that again. We are living in Lady Osea where a prophet prophesied the world will go totally insane. And when they come back in in their insane, uh, in their insane condition, I pray to God that the Holy Spirit would give them the mind of Christ and bring them back to their right mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, we have these perfect little churches, but is that what God's really after? 
God don't care. You look just as filthy. You look just as dirty. You look just as vile as any one of them look now. You say, oh, no, not me. Look at Brother Dwayne. Not a tattoo. Not a piercing. Never colored my hair green. Look at me. Look at you. Shame on you. The Bible says that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care if you were like me, raised in a message home. I don't care if you were like me that never went out there and got all those scars. You're still just as filthy as they were until the blood cleansed you. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Lord, help me. Let me move quickly here. So many times we get caught you know, we get caught. We're just comfortable with our nice little church family. We like it this way. We don't, we, we don't really want anything to come in and mess, our, mess up our, uh, you know, our nice little family that we got here. But God, may God come and mess up our family. I don't mean, I'm not talking our, 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 our natural families. I'm talking this little, this little uh, beautiful little group of people that you got. May it never be so high and mighty, spiritually speaking, that the rankest of sinner couldn't walk through the door. Maybe some drunk off the street stagger in and the, and the deacons say, hey, where are you going? I just need to come in and sit down. What are you going to do, Brother Al? Turn them around and send them out? There's a bench right there for that man. Maybe the, maybe the word of God, maybe the voice of resurrection will get a hold of him and he'll find himself weeping his way to the altar. We don't know. Listen, this is highways and byway time, church. We're not going after the elite elected anymore. We are, this is highways and byways. Lord, bring him in. We want to go home. We want to go home. Hallelujah. Look at Legion. Look at Legion's messed up life. Brother Brown said he was a good man. He said he had a wonderful little family, had a good job. But in his own humanity, in his own humanity, wanting to do what every one of you brothers wanted to do, better himself. Better himself. Watch what he does. Pretty soon he gets an offer. But the only thing is you need to work Sunday. Just one Sunday a month, that's okay. Yeah, I think I can do that. And then pretty soon the boss calls and says, you know what, um, so-and-so's sick, could you come in? That's two Sundays a month. And so-and-so just seems to be getting sick every, every month. Now it's two Sundays a month and you're not in church. Then it's three Sundays and we've got to move to our new home in a nice location. I've got my new car now. Look at me. And then the boss throws the Christmas party. Well, you're a top salesman. You gotta go. Just a little bit, just a little bit, brother. I don't drink. Well, it's not. You don't have to. Just, just a little bit. It's just a toast. That's all it takes. But the Ram said he was a good man. He said he opened the wrong door, and once one spirit came in, then another one came in. And another one came in, and another one came in, and pretty soon there was a legion, and guess where he ended up? They couldn't handle him in the city no more, so they took him out to the tombs, where all those filthy, evil, dirty spirits hung around. My name is Legion, for we are many. But now let's just watch Jesus. I wonder what Legion would have looked like. You know, we get this picture, we get these mental pictures, but I wonder if he wouldn't, if it was Legion in this day. You know, we're living 
It's the death rider that's in the land. So we're living in the tombs. There's death everywhere around us. I wonder what Legion would have looked like. I wonder what it looks like today. Or she looks like today. When you get your worst picture, remember Jesus went across the sea for that person. He went across to do one thing, to set the captive free. To set the captive free. I'm going to just skip a whole bunch of this right now. And I want to just jump down to another scripture here. Found in St. John. Oh, no, no, let me just keep going here. I'm just going to cut it. We're going to cut it short tonight. All right. <clears throat> you say, loose him, Brother Dwayne? Uh, Jesus spoke to the church and said, loose him. Loose him. Whatever's binding him up, loose him. Uh, Brother Dwayne, um, that's the pastor's job. You know, it's, it's, it's my job to, to, to bring them to church, but it's, it's really the pastor's job to loose him. Really? Why do you always want to lay everything on the pastor? Are you scared to? You think that you don't have what it takes? You got the Holy Ghost. You think you don't have what it takes to loose them? You love them. You bring them in. You nurture them. That's what Brother Brown says. He says, God has come into man and God does nothing apart from man. That's what he does. His work is through man. He made man his partner. Well, I don't think that just meant in the beginning when God made Adam that man. He made man. That's you. Brothers, that's you. Sisters, that's you. He's made you. His partner. He has got so much confidence in what he's placed in you, he's made you his partner. Hallelujah. You say, well, that's the pastor's job. And Brother Brown says this. He says, he said, now, he says, the, the Pentecostal people, as many things as God has sent you, you, he says, and yet our church is set half empty. Now, listen to this. He said, the pastor can't do it himself. Now, Brother Ed didn't pay me to say this, and if he gets a hold of this, I might get in trouble, but listen. The pastor can't do it himself. The laity has got to help in this. We are all a partner. That's what started the chaos at the first time at the Nicene Council. They wanted, when the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nicol means conquer the laity, to take away from the laity and make a holy man. That's not a holy man, a holy hill. It's a holy God, a holy God amongst his people. Hallelujah. Listen, there's a holy God amongst his people. The laity has part of it. We are children. There's no great ones amongst us. How can you have faith when you desire respect one from another? We're all one in Christ Jesus. There's no big men and little men. 
We are all the same. We are children of one Father. We are His children. How much more plain can that get? It's not just the pastor's job. That's what we want to put it on. Well, that's what we pay the preacher to do. Shame on you. Shame on you. When you become one with Christ, you're, you're like a love slave. Lord, where would you like me to go today? What would you have me to do today? Father, what can I, uh, the move upon my heart. May, Lord, ordain some God-ordained moment in my life. I want to see something supernatural happening. It's not up to the preacher. It's not just up to the deacons. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And we pat ourselves on the back and say, Lord, that's exactly where I'm at. A good lawyer, or a good Pharisee, or whatever you want to call yourself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus. Now, you know what? I just need a little more clarity on this because there's some that I'd love to put my arms around and there's some I don't want to get my hands dirty with. And he said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? Let me just go back just a couple scripture verses. And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 29, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? I hope he's one of the believers from the church. I hope it's not a family, you know, where, I hope it's not a house where they, where, where, where it's a drug, a little drug uh, uh, operation. I hope it's not a family where there's prostitution going on. I hope it's not a family that's always fighting and bickering and there's, oh, I, hope, I hope that's not the neighbor you're talking about, Lord. Oh, really? Willing to justify himself. That, in other words, there's some that I'm okay to go and that's my neighbor so I can go and I can love him, but what about the unlovable? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, first we want to get the picture. Brother Brown said the man was backslidden. Jerusalem is up high, Jericho is down low. He said the man was backslidden, so let's get out of our mind that this man was some just, you know, rank sinner somewhere. Here's, this man is in a backslidden condition. And when did you go to him? When did I go to him? Said, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him 
and departed, leaving him half dead. Now that's where a lot of our loved ones are right now. The enemy came in. What is Satan? He comes in to rob, kill, and destroy. The Bible says he stripped him of his raiment and left him not dead, half dead. That means that there's still a beat down in their heart somewhere regardless of what condition they're in. Look at little Rosella Griffith in all of her shame, in all of her, in all of her impurities, in all of her, in, in all of her vileness. There was something that was beating on the inside of the inside that wanted to be set free. Just like the little lady with the alabaster box, something wanted to be set free, but, but she was trapped. She got in a place where she couldn't get out. She, and listen, when Satan gets you bound, you ain't getting out on your own. I promise you that. He ain't going to let him go that easy. It's going to be a fight. And here, you know, here Jesus is saying, listen, this, this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance... There came down a certain priest that way. Come on, church. The Bible says we are kings and priests and chosen of God. Who is thy neighbor? Who is thy neighbor? And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Ooh. If I, if I touch that, then I'm going to get dirty. And what would people think if they saw me if they saw me communicating with somebody like that, what, what, what would it, what, I, I, I just couldn't. I just, I, I, God has saved me from that kind of stuff. You forgive me if I'm being a little brash tonight, but it's just our, e, our spiritual egos need to get trimmed down sometimes. By chance, there was a certain priest that, that way, and when he saw me, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, here comes the deacon. First the pastor goes down, now comes the deacon or the song leader or whoever you want to put there. Comes down and he sees the same condition. You know, he's got just, much of his, just enough of his pastor's spirit on him, so he just walks away. He walks around the other side and says, I don't think so. I don't think I can be associated with that. If I get associated with that, what would the congregation say? If I brought this kind of an individual into our congregation, I'll tell you what, the people would just get up and walk away. Then get up and walk away. Because my God came to save the lowest. Which some of you were, is what Paul said. Which some of you were, but have you forgotten where you came from? Have you forgotten the pit that God brought you out of? Who's thy neighbor? Who's thy neighbor, church? When he saw, uh, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Here we are. And the priest bound up his wounds. And the Levite Paid for his stay. I mean, it's a good church. They're good people. That's what they do. Here's a Samaritan. A nobody. A nobody in the kingdom of God. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds. Now watch what he does, church. Here you are. He bound up his wounds, pouring in what? What is it? The Holy Spirit. Pouring in the oil and the wine, the stimulation of revelation. What's he doing? He's nurturing him. Not just the priest, not just, the, can I say this this evening, not just the pastor, not just the deacon, not just the song leaders. What about you? What about you? Pouring in the oil and the wine and set him, what? On his own beast. Set him on his own beast. In other words, he carried him. When he couldn't carry himself, the power of God that he had carried this man. Isn't that what a beast represents in the Scripture? A power, an anointing? It carried him. But we hardly want to share the gospel that we got. And the very gospel you got is enough to save the lowest. It's enough to redeem the vilest. Come on, church. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said, take care of him. Look at his, look at his concern. And let's be honest. You would struggle to put $50 or $25 of gas in somebody's car that you didn't know. You think I'm going to spend $150 for a motel so you got some place to sleep tonight? I don't think so. Oh, we don't do those things. Do you know what kind of person that is, Brother Dwayne? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so does Father. It's a soul like you were that needed redemption. You see a bum on the street and, you know, a homeless, helpless, homeless person. And you say, well, Brother Dwayne, that's just that. They ended up that way. Yeah, maybe they did. But maybe it was no fault of their own. Maybe circumstances drove them into that condition. And now they're bound up and can't get back out. And God has bestowed more than abundantly on us. We can't even reach into our pocket and buy them a sub sandwich or something like that. We look down our noses because they don't live where you live. And they don't type, drive the type of vehicle you drive. Oh, my, I'm... I'm. Lord. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. Look at this. He didn't even just buy him one meal. Brother Dwayne, are you listening tonight? How many times have I found myself in this very position? Listen, we're creatures of habit. You're creatures of habit. You get up the same time every morning, brothers. You get the same cup of coffee, whether you get it at home or whether you drive to your first Tim Hortons or your second McDonald's or wherever you're going, Starbucks. You make the same loop every single day and you go head on down to work. And guess what? If, you're like our, if your city is like our city, the same bum is probably standing on the corner waiting for two pence. That's right. And we say, well, I wouldn't give it to him because he's going to spend it on yeah, but you can buy him something and give him something to eat. Maybe he hasn't. Yeah, maybe he's ruined his life. But if you're not going to redeem him, who's going to? If you can't show the love of God, then who can? 
if I can't show the love of God, who can? Oh, let's just paint the picture right. I'm, I'm, this, my goodness, Lord. Let's just paint it how it is. You'll run down to Starbucks, and you'll get your little latte thing, and it's going to cost you $6.50 or $8.50, whatever they are. You go to uh, Jungle Juicer or one of those things, and I get the same thing, and it's going to cost me $11 for a drink. And I can't spend $8 on somebody else and pay $4 for my drink? Well, we wouldn't do that. No, no, no. Why? Because it's all about you? Because it's all about me? Well, I'm the one that earns that money. Absolutely. You didn't give it. God gave it to you. Gave you the job, put it in your pocket, and wants to see what you're... Well, Brother Dwayne, I pay my tithes and my offerings. Bless your heart. That is God's money. He, you owe it to him. What do you do with the rest of it? I'm preaching to myself tonight. I'm preaching to myself tonight. I'm just as guilty as anybody is sitting in this building. I've done the same things. Drove by and, well, we don't carry cash. But if they're standing there and you know they're going to be there, certainly it wouldn't take too much to the same place that you got your coffee. Hey, a juice. Lord, why am I even talking about this? Brother Dwayne, we can't save the world. Who's talking about the world? Maybe just one. Maybe just one soul. Maybe you go to school with her. Maybe, maybe you meet her at work. Just one soul. Just one soul. What about just a conversation? Yeah. What about just a conversation? Just stop on the street long enough. Say, hey, buddy, how you doing? Are you okay? Are you all right? Who are you? I'm nobody. I just want to know if you're doing all right but we wouldn't dirty our clothes. No, 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 no. We live above those things, don't we? Your righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight. My righteousness is as filthy rags and accept the blood, the same blood that covered it all for me. That same blood covers it all for them. Now, if God doesn't have any hands except your hands and my hands, who's going to reach him? Who's going to reach him? Oh my, Brother Ed's not going to have me back no more. <laughs> That's what he says. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, take care of them. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay it. Is that not what Jesus did for you? In all your hearts, in all your shames, in all of, our, in all of our, our ways, in the times that we have failed him over and over and over and over. He still says, just come back to Father's house. I'll take care of it for you. I'll take care of it for you. You're sitting here as witnesses. If you're, if you're past 30 years old, you know this from your own experience. Many times you failed him, but he's never failed you. Many times you spent what he's given you wrong. You put yourself in a bad position, but his grace has brought you through. Amen. We got nothing to brag about tonight. We got, nothing to, we got nothing to toot our horns about. Look at us, look at us. We are saved by the grace of God. We're thankful to be part of the little elect lady, but that's because of his grace. That's because of his grace. He says, whatever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now watch what Jesus said. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor 
unto him that fell amongst the thieves. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do likewise. Crazy. The priest wouldn't touch him. The Levite wouldn't touch him. But the Samaritan reached down his arms, picked him up out of the muck and mire, brought him to a safe place. You know the trouble is? We get the same look that the, that the priest had when he looked at him. We look down our long spiritual nose. No, no, no. Hey, guys, how many times have you ever done something and your dad gave you the disappointed look? You had done something that was maybe just, and you got the disappointed look from dad. Didn't say nothing, just gave you the, I'm disappointed in your look. Uh-huh. Okay, Daddy. How many times have you done that to your wayward children? Oh, my. How many times they come home and they disappoint you and it shows on your face and they can see it still? Why? Because they let you down? Because they let me down? You know, Father's love for them has never changed. And his love is unconditional love. That little look, Brother Dwayne, if you're listening, that little look is a stone that needs to be rolled out of the way. They're bound and fettered and they want to, come, they want to be free, but they're looking for an unconditional love, just like Father gave you. Just like Father gave you. How many times have we failed? How many times have I failed him? Lord, help us. You know, we, I want to just take one last illustration. If the musicians would come, we're, not, we're just going to close. The musicians would come. You know, Brother Brown talks about a, a couple of men, and he speaks so highly of them. He calls them his tape boys. Here's a little illustration. Calls him his tape boys. Took him with him wherever he went. We find out as time went on that what we've been what we've been told is that they turned out to be homosexuals. Which would make us all sick. And if you were the pastor, it would make you really frustrated. And you would first maybe talk to them once or twice and you'd quit talking to them and you wouldn't have nothing to do with them anymore. But watch what Brother Branham does when him and Brother Green are together. You know the story. There they are heading down to wherever they're going to some kind of meetings and Brother Branham's heading into a, new, a little town. He said, hey, Brother Perry, isn't this where Brother so-and-so and Brother so-and-so are at? He's like, yes, sir, Brother Branham. He says, I think I'll just stop and see my friends. Watch. The Pharisee attitude show up real quick. And I'm not, or not putting down Brother Green at all. Same attitude you and I would have had. Brother Branham? Are you kidding me? You're going you're gonna to go see them? Why would you go see them? In other words, why would you get your hands dirty with something like that? Don't you know it could tarnish your ministry? 
Don't you know it could tarnish your reputation? Do you think a prophet cared about a reputation? Let me ask the question. Do you think the prophet cared about his reputation? He had one thing that he cared about with his reputation. How many souls can I win for the kingdom of God? How many souls can be birthed into the kingdom of God? How many, how many souls can be healed? How many souls can be delivered? That was what his, that was what his care was. Here's a, here's a couple of men that had completely backslidden, got into a vile condition. And a prophet says, looks at Brother Perry, says, Brother Perry, those boys are my friends. Ooh. Brother John, I wouldn't be seen dead with them. But that's our attitude. Watch the Holy Spirit in a prophet say, but those men are my friends. And he stops and sees him. Who is your neighbor? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I? I just want to stop and think about it. Well, then if the musicians just pick something soft to play. I just want you to stop and think about it this evening. If I'm responsible, if I am my brother's keeper, then which brother has God touched your heart with and you have not gone and done what he's asked you to do? Which little sister, I don't care how far gone they are, maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody that you pass by on the street every day. And the Holy Spirit has tapped you on the shoulder. Such a stop. But we drive by. Somebody else will stop. Somebody else will stop. Am I my brother's keeper? Saints, what did this gospel come to do? We talk about restoration of a bride tree. That means the restoration, that means the very life of Christ would come to live in a bride being. Now, if that's you and me this evening, is he alive? Then you are your brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. Where's that picture? You don't have it here. The head of Christ. He kept me. He deemed me worthy when I was not worthy. He deemed you worthy when there was nothing good about you. When are we going to look past the veil like he looked past the veil and look at the soul that needs salvation? When are we going to reach our hand out? When are we going to be about the Father's business? Father's business is not all about preaching behind the pulpit. The real preaching gets done when you leave here and you head out for the week. He gives you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Am I my brother's keeper? Let's bow our heads tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't know why you led me down this path.
But Lord, it's so good to stop and take inventory. Lord, to look in the mirror of your word and see where do I line up. Yes, I have eternal life. Yes, I'm enjoying the blessings and that you've poured out the reality of the word in this age. But what are we doing with it? Yes, we're sending it to Africa, and yes, we're sending it to India, Guatemala. Yes, we're sending it. We're sending the books, the tapes. Yes, we got brothers going to those countries. But what about right here and right now? What about in this city called Edmonton? Lord, you got sons and daughters that are here tonight that you've called. Lord, you want to use their hands. You want to use their feet. Lord, you've tabernacled in their lives. Maybe I just preach this tonight, Lord, that it would encourage them to look beyond the veil of what they see on the street and to count it a soul that might be worthy, one that would be worthy of redemption. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us. Forgive me. Start with me, Lord. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of my failures, Father. Lord, I want to be found about the Father's business, and I want to be found worthy of the glorious gospel that you've given us to us, Father. Lord, as we sit here tonight, Lord, and think on these things, ask, Lord Jesus, that you would go from heart to heart, from pew to pew, Lord. Lord, where we've been wrong, I pray you'd forgive us. Lord, where our attitude is wrong, Lord, it will become so pharisaical, if I could call it that. Lord, we get so self-righteous. Lord, strip us of those things, Father. Lord, we don't want to be self-righteous. We want to walk in the love of God. Lord, we want the world to see that Jesus is alive, that Jesus lives, and Jesus is a life that has action to him. Not just a good word, not just a painted fire but a reality. Father, as we commit the service to you tonight, Lord, stir up our hearts, oh God. Lord, if there's someone somewhere, Lord, if there's a soul, Lord, maybe we've walked by him for years, maybe we've, maybe, maybe we've worked with him, Father, maybe, maybe it's a friend from old, something that the Spirit has tapped us on the shoulder, said you need to reach out. Maybe it's our children. Dear God, I pray, Lord, that redemption would be once again be made known through the children. Lord, we love you tonight. And we ask your mercies in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. What you playing, brother? We do. Who's the song leader? Brother Ray, come on up here and lead us, would you?
to go on I kind of made up a word but overcoming that Pharaoh to see in spirit we feel I've got a right to my own doctrine the way I am I justify myself we need to look to him more and more so Lord I need you I wonder tonight as we stand to our feet together I want to sing a, a, a song that just come to my heart early in the service and First, I, I had a scripture written down to read beforehand. I just felt checked not to read it right at that moment, but it's Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed to the day of your redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with from you with all malice. And it says, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's put that before us tonight and say, Lord, help me put all these other things that I've been dwelling in, just put it away. And am I my brother's keeper? Yes. I've got a part. I'm his hands, I'm his feet. Help me, Lord, to be led by your spirit and not to grieve it. What if we can sing this song, Lord, I give myself away. And maybe just put that on your mind as we sing this together. What can I give away? What have I held on to myself when the life that's within me is calling out to live for somebody else? Just put that on your heart today and say, Lord, let me just give this away to you now. Let it go. Let God have his way. I give myself away. Too high.